0: Welcome to 721 Live, the video arm of 721 Ministries. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm glad that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. We are at that point as we study this, and you'll want to go back and pick up last week's video. You can find that on our website where where Jesus says, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What does he mean by that? And have you ever thought about when you recite that prayer, your kingdom come, adding to it, my kingdom go? Your kingdom come, my kingdom go, because we cannot have two kings in one kingdom. And Jesus has been very clear on that. Let's try to figure out what he's talking about. We're going to jump right on that today. Stay with us. I'm glad you're with us. We'll be right back. The Lord's Prayer. Last week, we spent our time on the very beginning verses of the Lord's Prayer. And I want to recap that a little bit before we jump into this idea of your kingdom come, my kingdom go. And that's that's going to be the, the crux of what we talk about today. But that first line in this prayer that Jesus gave us for us, we call it the Lord's Prayer. But truly, it's the disciples' prayer, which means it's our prayer. So when we pray this, we want to we think about all the things that Jesus is telling us through this very simple, very succinct, very succinct, very straightforward, but packed and loaded with little gems for us to mine out. So the Lord's Prayer, our prayer, your kingdom come. But before we get to that, let's come back. Here's how we started. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's recap on that just a couple of minutes before we start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, this prayer that Jesus gave us, I call it a grounding prayer, a centering prayer. It tells us two things, and if we will bring these into our hearts and appropriate them into our lives, it's going to change the way we pray. So the first one, the reason I call this a centering, grounding prayer is The first thing it tells us is the Father is everything. The Father is everything. Hallowed be your name. In the heavens all around us, my Father, your kingdom come. And then the second thing it tells us is you're everything and I'm not. I'm not anything without you and I desperately need your help. I desperately need your help. So this prayer centers us, it grounds us in these two truths. And if we'll stay there as we start any prayer, not just the Lord's Prayer, but any prayer, thinking about the fact that Jesus said, our Father, not God, you might be surprised to know that Jesus never called God, God in his prayers. He always spoke to him as Father. And I think we would be well served to emulate that father i was sitting down with a man just recently and and through our conversation he said god 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 throughout the conversation and i know he's really seeking getting closer to his heavenly father getting closer to jesus so i said you know may i suggest that as you pray and as you address god that you address him as father as jesus did well just two or three weeks later he reached out to me and said, this has changed everything for me. It has changed my prayer life. It has changed my life. Grounding ourselves in the Father is everything and I am not. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Our Father. Jesus is saying we have the same Father. We share the same Father with Jesus. How can that be? Sinful Sam, fragile Flawed Sam has the same dad as Jesus. There is so much power in that thought. Our father, Jesus says. He's our father. He's not just Jesus' father, he's ours. And if we will remember that we have the same father, and then the next thing it tells us is we're part of a much larger family. Whenever you pray, whenever I pray, whenever Sam is in one of his feeble prayers where he's by himself, Maybe I think it's, I'm the only one praying. In that moment, I am joining a chorus of the family of followers. And we're praying together. And our prayers are being lifted up in this beautiful chorus. I'm not in this on my own. I'm part of a family. Our Father. But then we also can pray this prayer and make it personal. My Father. My dear Heavenly Father who loves me perfectly and He loves those that I care about perfectly. My Father. He's not God impersonal creator of the universe, although He is, but He's my, I'm privileged to be able to call Him my Father. And I want you just to think about how this would change your prayers. Let's just say that I'm going to pray for my wife, Dina. And one way to start that prayer would be, God, I want to talk to you about Dina. Or another way would be to say, Heavenly Father, I want to to talk to you today about your daughter, whom you love perfectly. Now, just imagine what that's going to do to the rest of the prayer. There's no more anxiety after that. Heavenly Father, I want to talk to you about your daughter, whom you love perfectly. I remember in the years past, I learned to pray this way, and I would pray about my daughter, Britton, and I would say, Heavenly Father, I want to talk to you about our daughter. Our daughter. The one you love perfectly. And then any anxiety I had in my prayer life just dissipated. Because He's our Father and He's my dear Father. And that starts to change everything. Let's take a look at this. We we call this a God-saturated world. But I've started calling it a Father-saturated world. And when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, He does not say in heaven heaven he says in the heavens you think about what image you would conjure up with in heaven that's somewhere out there far away as Bette Midler said from a distance he loves us from a distance he's watching us from a distance no in the heavens Jewish in the Jewish mind thought that and what Jesus is saying is he's all around us the first heaven is right here it's in this atmosphere it's in this room it's in this studio right now and it's in the room where you are That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the sky, the firmament, the stars and the moon and the sun. The third heaven is the spiritual world. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians, that he had these visions. He had an experience of being taken into the third heaven. But what Jesus says when he says, our Father who is in the heavens, he's saying, our Father who is always and already all around me. Always, already, all around me. And we see this in Psalm 139.5, just reading the beginning of it. You hem me in, behind and before. Now before I was born again, and probably for a little while after that, I would have bristled at you hem me in. No, I need my independence, I'm Sam. I'm an independent guy, I don't want to be hemmed in. But now I take such great comfort in this. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to even understand or attain. I'm hemmed in. You're hemmed in by your Heavenly Father. His love, His perfect presence, His perfect power. And Isaiah 52, 12 takes it one step further. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. If you know anything about the military, the rear guard are the soldiers that you put behind your group to protect your rear, to keep the enemy from coming up and surprising you from behind. The Holy Spirit, through Isaiah, is telling us we're hemmed in. Not only are we hemmed in, we have a Heavenly Father who's going out before us and He's covering our six. He's got, us, he's got what's behind us. Nobody's going to catch up with us. Nobody's going to surprise us. We're hemmed in, our Heavenly Father in the heavens. So already we see in this first opening of the prayer, wow, He's our Father, He's my Father, He's all around, everywhere. And then that leads me naturally to start thinking about His name, to think, start thinking about, hallowed be your name stop okay. i need to take this out uh you can just eliminate it and okay. I'll, I'll go to the next one okay, okay. that leads me to hallowed be your name dallas willard said may your name be treasured and loved hallowed be your name you want you to think in terms of people that you across your life maybe National figures, maybe personal figures whose name you have such reverence and respect for. Maybe your grandparents, maybe your parents, maybe a a general in the army or a politician or some leader of our country or someone over the years, a historical figure that you have such reverence and respect for. His name conjures up reverence and respect in your heart. And then you add affection to it. And Jesus is saying, hallowed be your name. Reverence and respect, honor and affection for your name. So right away we see this first line is just packed. Our Father, my Father, who's already and always all around me. And your name has become so special to me. When I hear your name, when I think about your name, it conjures up all these warm and fuzzy feelings inside. The joy that comes from being your child. That's what we talked about last week. And that's just a recap because it was so important for us to think about the things that we talked about as we open up this prayer that Jesus gave us. Now, if we're in this, if we slow down enough before we start our prayers, before we launch into our prayer life, which Sam is wont to do. See, ordinarily Sam jumps into his prayers as Sam praying and all of a sudden it's all about Sam or the ones the people that Sam loves. But if I slow down, and let Sam, before he starts, think about my Father who's always and already always around me in the heavens everywhere. Hallowed be your name. Now, if I can get that prism, then what follows are going to be prayers that are not just centered on Sam and his world, but on my heavenly Father. And that's going to change everything in the way I pray. And that is more naturally going to lead us to your kingdom Come. Your kingdom come. Jesus, as He starts off His prayers, uh, excuse me, as He starts off His ministry, He says, we read this in Matthew, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. That the kingdom is here. And that's what Jesus said. The kingdom has arrived. I've ushered in the kingdom. You can live in the kingdom now. This is a concept that most of us don't understand. Jesus is saying, you don't have to wait till you die. As a matter of fact, Dallas Willard, uh, one of my favorite writers and thinkers, he said, if you want to go to heaven, go now. Go now, you don't wait till you die, you start living in the kingdom now. Jesus went around talking about the good news that the kingdom of heaven is now. He's brought it to us, we can start to live in it. And he goes on to say, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God, I want it to flourish and thrive and live. And if I want it to flourish and thrive and live and expand in my own heart, as well in the the world around me, in my sphere of influence, then I'm going to have to follow your kingdom come with my kingdom go because there cannot be two kings in one kingdom. Jesus was very clear on this, but it's common sense. We know this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I would add, you cannot serve both God and self. Both of us cannot be up on the throne at the same time. He has to be the king of my life, the king of my castle, the king of my whole existence. He has to be. So when we say, your kingdom come, we're saying, my kingdom go. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I don't want to try to be this little silly king that I've been strutting around all my life or or my, my queen has got to go. My kingdom come, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. Either I want to stop being king, or if, I, if, if you're a lady in the audience, I want to stop being the queen. I want to let that go and let you be up on the throne of my life. When Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What He's really saying in here is, for whoever wants to save their kingdom, you're going to lose that kingdom. But whoever loses their kingdom, lets go of it, gets off the throne for me, will find life in the kingdom. So this whole idea of getting off of the throne and letting him be king of our lives, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. And the longer you walk with him, the less you have any delusions about wanting to be king or any illusions about how wonderful it might be to be king. No, I want him to be king. But this is, this is a process. And it takes time. We start off on the throne. We're king or queen of our castle. And as we pr- progress in, deeper and deeper into the kingdom, we more and more realize, I don't want to be on that throne anymore. I want him to be on the throne. But, but hear me clearly. It is a process. And I know when I'm getting back up on the throne and I'm taking control again. And do you know how I know that? I start white-knuckling things. I start getting uptight. Any peace, any contentment, any joy, they start slipping away. And the anxiety and the pressing and the pressuring starts coming in because I've gotten back up on the throne and I want my will, not His. So we developed a chart that that gives us a picture of what this process looks like and we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning just talking about this chart because it captures very well exactly what this process looks like so here we have it now at the very beginning, before Jesus comes into your life, in the second throne, I show, I show the crown. That, I show the, the cross, excuse me. And that is Jesus coming into your life. But this first situation, you're on the throne and you're king of the castle. And it's all about me. When you are saved, when Jesus comes into your life, when you surrender your heart to him, you're still on the throne. It's all still about me. Now, yes, he's in my life now, as indicated by the cross. But Sam is still on the throne because I know know of no other way. This is how I was raised, to be on the throne, to be in control. Well, now, as I go along a little ways in life, I realize that's really not working for me. And so I invite him up on the throne with me. But you'll notice that I'm still on the throne. I'm trying to be co-kings with Jesus. I want to be in charge. Yes, I agree that he should be up there with me. But as life goes on, I realize this isn't working either. I don't want to be on the throne anymore. I want him to be on the throne. So I go a little ways along and I start to surrender myself more and more. And I finally, I get off the throne. But the reason I've got this little caption of him and me, see, originally it was me and him. Now it's him, but I'm still in the game. I want to be on the management committee. I want to be able to give advice. I want to be able to say, now, Jesus, I'm not sure you th- you've got all the information here. I'm not sure you're, you're thinking about these things. Let me help you a little bit. I, I, I want to be on the management committee. I want you up on the throne, but I want my input on this. Now. You know that doesn't work. Being on the throne doesn't work. Pulling him up and and co, being co-king's that doesn't work. Getting off the throne, but still wanting to be on the management committee, that doesn't work. And you'll notice on this on this chart that I have that I show I show myself as a little person, and that cross is a little bigger because it's now on the throne. But the final step as we go through this process is that cross getting bigger and you notice that I'm not getting smaller I'm actually getting bigger also because I'm now starting to become the person that he created me to be so as he becomes larger and on the throne in my life I actually become the person that he designed me to be he never designed me to be the king of my castle He designed me to work with him, use the gifts and the talents that he's given me, but let him be the king. And, oh, what a relief it is to let him be the king in my life. You know, years ago, uh, right out of college, I I ran into a real dear friend of mine's father who ran a big company, and he asked me, uh, Sam, what do you want to do with your life? I'm just out of college. And I said, I want to run a big company like you do. And he smiled and he said, "No, you don't. No, you don't." And I did not understand what he meant by that. Years later, I'm running a we're, we're developing subdivisions, and I'm running this company. And uh, I was on a board in Greenville with another builder. He was older than I, much more seasoned than I in the construction and development business. And he came to see me one Sunday afternoon, and I was out at the I was out at the subdivision site. He'd set up the meeting and he said, his name was John, and he said, Sam, I want to come to work for you. And I said, John, you're you're older than I, you're smarter than I, you're more seasoned and experienced. Why would you want to come work for me when you are your own boss? Why would you want me to be your boss? And I'll never forget, he smiled and he said, being your own boss, it ain't that great. And I nodded and I said, I now start to understand what you mean. So getting off the throne and letting Him be the king in your life. What a relief that is. What a joy that is. Your kingdom come, my kingdom go. I'm fed up with my kingdom. I don't want to be king of my life anymore. So let's just look at this one more time. And let's look at this process. Me on the throne. I think I'm such a hot shot. I'm king of the castle. Jesus comes into my life, but I don't know any better, so it's still me on the throne. I continue to grow with Jesus. I become more more like Him and living in that kingdom, and so I say, you know, this doesn't work. Come up on the throne with me. Let's co-king this whole thing. Well, as time goes on, I realize that doesn't work. So I get off the throne but I still want to be part of the management. And as time goes on, I realize that doesn't work. And all of these processes, each throne, is just a, a step in my surrendering. My surrendering my claim to my right to myself, my surrendering my will, my way, and finally I get into a season in my life where it's really Him. He's the King. And contrary to my shrinking and Him becoming larger, I grow with Him. Because now he's king of my life. When Jesus says your kingdom come, he wants his heavenly father's kingdom to reign supreme on this earth. He wants his heavenly father's kingdom to reign supreme in your life, in your heart. And do you know who is the only one who can stop that? who can stop the kingdom from growing and becoming more real and expanding in your own heart and your own life? You. When you continue to claim my right to myself, my way, my will, when you continue to insist on being in control, when you continue to insist on being the one that's calling the shots, you're staying up on the throne and you're blocking His kingdom growing. And in all likelihood, you're blocking His kingdom, growing and expanding in the lives around you because you're getting in the way. One of the great joys, my friend, one of the great joys is learning to get off the throne and let Him be in charge. We still have our part to play, of course. We never advocate sitting in a closet and praying and thinking that your Heavenly Father is gonna take care of life. No, we do our part. But we let go of the outcome. We abandon the outcome to his kingdom because his outcome is always the best. And we do not control the outcome. And trying to control it does nothing but give us anxiety. And and we're white-knuckling things. We're making everybody around us crazy. So when Jesus says, My king, your kingdom come, he means I want it to, I want your kingdom to grow. And, And now we want to pray that prayer from the heart, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. You be in charge, you be the king. What a relief there is in that. What freedom there is in that. I want you to experience that. So now, as we go through this Lord's Prayer, which is the Disciples' Prayer, which means it's our prayer, let's remember, He's our Father, He's my Father, He's everywhere and already all around me. His name has become so special to me. And I want his kingdom above all else. Because there's more. You know it. Come, let his kingdom grow in you and find it.